Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, dear listeners. This is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. We're talking to you for the last time for a while. Oh, no, no. From our at-home studio, because the month of August is the last month we will be spending in our summer home. Yes, but we'll be recording next month at home also. Right before we leave? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Never mind. (laughs) We'll get our plans straight here, ladies and gentlemen, but who knows? We have a lot of exciting things to talk about this month. You know, when we first started this podcast, I didn't really probably understand what podcasts were myself Uh or the potential that they held. And it seemed like we spent an awful lot of time explaining to people what podcasts were, especially people our age, which still happens. Which we still do. Which still happens. Yes. Um, When we go traveling. And it kind of felt to me like one of your many techie whims, and I wondered... Are you... Whether we were just whistling down a black hole, and we would say every so often that we uh, wanted people to come track us down when they were at a campground near us. And so we're about to have an interview with the first couple who took us up on that. And they eventually traveled to Alaska with us. And have become friends. And they have come off the road, so that'll be a very interesting interview because it uh, talks about some of the changes that we've had in our lifestyles over the years. And one of the many podcast surprises I have had is that we have gotten a chance to meet so many nice people. A number of others have also become friends. Tons of people. And now that we are at home in our summer home so seldom, I'm always amazed that people who live around here still remember who we are. And it feels like our listener family has become a a whole new ring of friends that I never anticipated. And I'm very grateful. And we're very thankful. Yes, we enjoy meeting all of you listeners. And we enjoy getting contacted by you. And we want to remind you that uh, you can get our monthly calendar background wallpaper from the website if you go click over there. And, you know, every month I put up a ton of links. I know it's hard to believe, but we don't cover everything we want to talk about in the podcast. And you are very, and you are very well read on RV News. We cover much more than anybody wants to listen to, but well, that's their choice. <laughs> but we also have lots of extra stuff that we don't talk about, and I put links to lots of these articles and things that we uh, would like to talk about on the episode webpage, which you can find at rvnavigator.com. And I think there's some topics that are just better to read for yourself anyway. Well, when I don't have anything to add to the... No value added on our part. Yeah, when I don't have any real extra stuff to add to it, then I just put a a link on there. But I find the links to be pretty interesting. So every month, you know, there's a box that has extra content that you might want to look at as an interested RVer. So we will talk about some topics for ourselves, though, today. Any upcoming travel? Well, apparently not. We always start with that. Apparently not. Well, I thought I was leaving at the end of the month, but apparently I'm not. Well, we're leaving in September, and we'll be going until May. 
Yeah, we're leaving right after Labor Day. So we do have some upcoming travel, but it will not be uh, in the next month. We've been enjoying our summer leisurely travel where we play tennis and and play a little golf and get together with family and all the stuff we do in Chicago. Chicago is a beautiful city to visit in the summer. I think people who live in other parts of the country kind of poo-poo the Midwest weather-wise. And certainly we have all kinds of weather, but as I've been watching the news lately and looked at the fires going on in the west and all the horrible rains and flooding going on in the east. Yeah, I pretty felt nice pretty happy to be right where I am where we never have to worry about having enough water being next to Lake Michigan and the weather has been summery but not intolerably hot and we've been going out to play almost every day. And the grass is still green. Hard to believe. So what podcast do you listen to? Uh, we don't have to talk about what kinds of podcasts or what, what a podcast is to these, these no. listeners because everybody knows, right? No. But what podcast besides RV podcasts, what podcast do you listen to? Somebody asked us about this question. Um, certainly when I started podcasts, I listened to a lot of NPR ones, which are really just repetitions of what's on the radio that I had not gotten a chance to hear. And I would say a lot of things I listen to reflect my cultural interests and my political interests. So um, I always read uh, read The New Yorker, and I always listen to their podcasts, uh-huh. and I listen to the Slate ones regularly. Um, that's a market that has hugely expanded. Podcasts in general have expanded, and most of them are free. Well, they're all free to download, but most of them have advertisements attached. This has happened in the uh, in the podcasting world. They When they first started out, they were free-free, meaning there were no advertisements. They were sponsored by NPR, somebody who was getting money from elsewhere, and now they've become very much based on advertisements. So we're unique in our poverty? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm not saying that, but we don't accept any advertisements, and we don't accept, well, we just support it ourselves. But what podcast do you listen to, Slate? and I listen to a lot of Slate and special ones. Our local NPR station uh, did one called um, something about Oprah, where they talked about the rise of Oprah in our town. And right now I'm listening to one that they also produced called Making of Obama, which talks about how he came to our city as a nobody and a nothing and uh-huh. ended up the president of the United States states it's quite interesting a lot of the background that you don't normally hear about uh, mine uh, podcast listening started with uh, this american life a show we still love uh, which is yes a, a show which we still love and it is amazing that it was it's still on and go, has gone through things like serial but but then i go into the techie aspects of, of it of course and uh, a favorite podcast is uh, about photography called uh, the digital story which is done by Derek Story a photographer very interesting um, and i also like the twit network i'm not saying anything <laughs> am i a twit <laughs> I'm not saying I'm anything. a Twitter. But Martha has been to the home base Twit Studios in Petaluma, California. She was excited. Because I was kidnapped by you and another one of our <laughs> listeners and made to go there. <laughs> but we had a good time. Anyway, if you don't know what the Twit Network is, that stands for This Week in Technology. But Leo Laporte, the founder of Twit, uh, has broadened its scope. And they have uh, probably, I don't know, 30 different podcasts all about various aspects of technology. So I not only listen to This Week in Tech, but I also listen to several others. Uh, this Week in iOS, This Week in Macintosh, the new screensavers, 
dozens of them. Each one is about an hour long, so that keeps me pretty busy. I also listen to another one, which is not part of the Twit Network, but this one is called This Week in Photography. But that name apparently was taken by somebody else, so it's not part of the Twit Network. I also want to give plugs to the Gimlet media people. Uh-huh. Um, Alex Bloomberg, who I think started with This American Life and did other NPR stuff, broke away from them and started his own business. And the first uh, podcast that he put up was about the process of starting his own business. And he's kind of veered off to a large degree um, covering various aspects of being a small business person mm-hmm. and other people starting businesses. Right now they're doing one about churches that are s- starting from scratch. That whole field, if you're interested in entrepreneurship, might be fun for you to explore as well. So this month, I worked on our Honda generator. This is an interesting project. In 2007 or so, when we had our our fifth wheel, we had a, a dual Honda 2000 setup so that we could get 4,000 watts out of <clears throat> out of generators. I sold one of the generators, but I kept the other one, the 2000, for use around home here. It's in case we have a storm or something so we can keep the sub pump and the refrigerator Freezer. and stuff running. Fortunately, we haven't had to use it too much, so it doesn't get used very much. A lot of you have the Honda Inverter 2000 generator that you use in your trailer. It's a great little generator. It weighs about 50 pounds, is, uh, sips gasoline. Fairly it, quiet. It's fairly quiet um, and costs about 1000 bucks. Now, because I don't use the generator very much, um, it has problems of disuse. And this is a theme that you've probably noticed as I go through the podcasts, that when you don't use something it's not good for it it needs to be used and i need to use our generator more often <clears throat> so our generator was getting hard to start i go out there every once in a while every couple months and crank it up and it was getting harder and harder to start and last time i tried i couldn't get it started so did the typical youtube type of research and found out that i probably needed to clean the carburetor uh, but instead i just decided to buy a new new carburetor and surprisingly enough it took me about 15 minutes put the new carburetor in and it started right up. However, the problem is that the same thing is going to happen to me again because what happens is you fill the carburetor with gasoline and you let it sit. And you let it sit. And, and it by the way, gummy. I should mention that this is a problem with your generators in your motorhomes if you have a gas motorhome. Diesel are all fuel injected so they don't have this problem. Uh, another big advantage of diesel. Anyway, I was worried about this the new carburetor getting gummed up from having fuel in it when it's not being used because we only need it when we need it. <laughs> <laughs> the damn thing better start, huh? So I have been looking around for a solution, and surprisingly enough, there's a cool solution. One of the problems that you have with this generator is, is that when you turn it off, it shuts off the ignition, and fuel stays in the carburetor, and there's no real way to let it run out of fuel with the standard setup. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. So... I bought a little kit from Amazon. I was tinkering around on Amazon the other day, and I found a kit that allows you to put in a separate switch. Yes, that will turn off the ignition separate from the fuel. So you use the standard on-off switch. Now only does the gas. It shuts off the fuel pump, but it leaves the ignition on. 
so that you just let it run out of gas and then the carburetor is has no gas in it and then it doesn't uh, go bad and this only costs 20 bucks so you do this as you're preparing to stop running the generator do right I have that right right okay. now if you need to stop the generator the newly installed button <laughs> you press it it turns off the ignition and the generator stops just but, like it used to but for our use where you would run it during a power failure in a storm and then there wouldn't be another storm for a year right you would use the switch no that would turn off the fuel and then let it run out of gas Mm -hmm. the carburetor would just run dry which is exactly what you want because then nothing is in the carburetor to evaporate and to leave gunk so if you want to take a look at this uh it's available on amazon i was surprised it comes with nice little new labels and the switch is nicely labeled and it only took me about Took me longer than it should, but it only if you are quick about it, it only take you about half an hour to install. It would take you much less time if you had to do it again. Yeah, but the instructions were fairly clear. Anyway, if you have a Honda generator, you might want to consider buying one of these little gizmos. Even if you only use it once a month, it still is probably a good idea to run it dry rather than leaving uh, fuel in the carburetor. Have you ever felt the skin of your RV? Right now, it's probably hot. <laughs> no, no, it shouldn't be hot. In the Electrically sunshine? hot. Have you ever felt the skin of your RV and felt kind of a tingle? Have I? I don't know. I don't think so. No, well, that's good. Have you, dear listener, ever felt the skin of your RV and felt a little tingle? If so, then you've had the hot pedestal problem. Ooh, that sounds scary. The, the folks at RV Travel dot com are starting a new program to kind of alert people to hot pedestals. Now, hot does not mean physically hot. It means electrically hot. Hot meanings that it has stray electricity flowing from the pedestal to your RV. To the point where it could kill you. Right. And last year there was, and there have been several instances of people being injured, and in this case, uh, a, a small child being killed as a result of hot skin on the RV, which means that the RV has power to it, but it is not grounded. And therefore, when you step on the step or you touch the skin of the RV, you get a shock. You get a shock. And if you feel that tingling, that's a little bit of electricity, not a lot. But that could become much more dangerous if it was uh, a much higher voltage. So what causes this? Well, usually it's an, an improper ground. And, you know... Plugs, when they are used a lot on pedestals, become defective. So is this a problem of my RV plug or the place that the power is coming from? Could be either. You know, if you feel your RV plug and if it's a 30 amp and you you wiggle the ground connector. Like a loose tooth? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like a loose tooth. If you wiggle it and it wiggles, it shouldn't wiggle and it could be defective. And you don't even know it. That's the problem. And it could happen over time as you plug in and take out and plug in and take out as pedestals are used heavily in the summertime people plugging in a problem on that end too and this is hot skin they are trying to get together a program where they have a place to report hot skin um, from pedestals they have a device which i've never really used or heard of but martha's going to become in charge of this oh good why do you need a program why don't you just tell the campground i'm getting a shock from your pedestal 
uh, because they don't always fix it, I guess. Uh-huh. It could be miswiring. It could be a result of overuse. It could be uh, worn out. It in some could way. be in the RV itself. But the prop, but the problem still exists, and it could be dangerous and annoying at, at the very least. So I'm reporting this so that the person who comes after me yes. won't. Well, and won't so be that harmed? they can alert the campgrounds too. Well, why wouldn't I do that? I don't know. Okay. Because <laughs> they didn't fix it. So know. plugging in our rig has generally been my job, and now I'm afraid of that job. <laughs> well, RVing is very dangerous. Do I have to wear rub- rubber boots? But they have, while they I have this device, which I, I, I guess has been around a long time, but I've never used it. It's called a non-contact voltage tester. Looks like a magic wand. And we have just bought one. And what it senses is voltage uh, without touching anything. So if you hold it next to the pedestal without plugging it into anything and you get a reading that means that, that you shouldn't put, plug it in not only that but you probably shouldn't touch the pedestal either because this could be a problem just by touching the metal wow. the casing of the pedestal wow how often does this happen well you read about a case just recently yeah what was that situation i don't remember <laughs> you were reading an rv something or other yeah somebody got a shock somebody got a shock from their rv by just touching the, the outside and this will sense that so you could Hold it up to the, not the plugs, but just to the outside of the RV. Now, why isn't this a problem in my house when I plug in the mix master and unplug it and plug it in? That's and why it has three prongs. Well, so does the RV plug. I know, but what happens if one of the prongs doesn't connect? Well, why, why doesn't it happen in my house? It does. I want things to happen people have, have they happen in my house. People have problems in the bathroom all the time. It, well, when but you throw your hair dryer in the bathtub. No, where they touch the sink and they have a hair dryer. That's no. the, and it has to be metal. Yeah, yeah. You're probably not that, having metal sink. That's why the three-prong plug has replaced the two-prong plug, because of this exact problem. Except on my Christmas lights. <laughs> We don't know about your Christmas lights. But I'm going to put a link into this little device. It costs about 20 bucks, And I can see Martha's going to go around testing it. You turn it on and you hold it close to electrical, th- well, anything. And if it lights up. I'm going up, to just get out the door and start waving it in the air. No, no. It has to be reasonably. It has to be like within six inches. Oh, okay. I mean, you have to. it has to be close. You don't have to have contact. And if you sense something, then you, if it senses something, then you should probably so be I careful. So I should keep this inside the rig and have it in my hand when when I get out to plug us in. Yes. Okay. One more thing to remember. All right. 50 amp is not nearly as prone to this as the 30 amp mm. because it's got two legs. Mm. Because we've been talking at you for 10 years, is that right? Ooh, um, more than that. More than that. Uh, we sometimes feel like we've told you everything we know. And and you know everything about us. We look to places like Facebook where we often read a the group over 50 RVers where people ask a lot of incredibly naive questions and sometimes they give us thoughts about things we may have talked about before and should have should be talking about again. We wanted to talk to you about water heaters. Yes. Now, when we watch these shows like Go RVing and they have newbies who are walking through RVs at, at some sort of a RV dealer or they're at a show or something, and the woman always says, well, there has to be enough hot water so that I can take a shower. Hot water heaters basically for RVs come in three basic categories. You've got a 6-gallon propane, a 10-gallon propane, and then you have 
the continuous on-demand water heaters, which will supply as much water, hot water as you as you can use. So since I don't have propane, what kind of water heater do I have? You have the on-demand. Okay. So you have as much hot water as you. So this is not really an issue for us anymore. Never has been. Well, that's the really the strange issue. We started off with a six-gallon, never ran out of hot water. We then went, and our motorhome had a had a ten-gallon, and we never ran out of hot water. Maybe, I mean, you, maybe well, people I mean, take longer showers than we do. And I always wash I my ten, hair too. I take a and ten you minute. wash your hair too. Uh, I mean, it's ten minutes or so. I don't know how much hot water do you need. Okay. And of course, the recovery time is very fast with these things. You need to do a few things with hot water heaters on a regular basis. One is you need to replace the anode every once in a while. Now, not all of them have anodes, but an anode is a sacrificial device that collects. I don't know. It doesn't actually collect, but it dissolves the minerals in the water so that it doesn't cause uh, problems with the water heater. But because it is is dissolved over a period of time, you need to replace it every once in a while. And they literally wither away to a toothpick. Right. And so when it's not there anymore, when you it's need gone, to, it's not doing you anything. Need to put, <laughs> <laughs> Duh. So would you check it annually? Oh, at least, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you leave your water heater full when you are traveling? Why not? Of course. <laughs> But that's one of the questions that was that has been asked. I have an electric and gas water heater. How does that work? If the electricity is appropriate, like after you've plugged in, it switches to electric heating. But because you have lights in your RV, do you have electric? No, hot water? because those could be DC. Ooh. And if you are a frustrated cook like me who's trying to cook with an electric cooktop and are heating your water electrically, you will probably be sorry. So then you need to switch it over to propane. Because any electric heating element takes a lot of power. So if your hot water heater has both gas and electric and you're on 30 amp, you probably want to leave it on propane. Even though you have to buy new propane. Especially if you're thinking about using your air conditioner. The air conditioner and the hot water heater alone will be at least 30 amps, and you won't be able to do anything else. You won't be able to dry your hair. Oh, no. Oh, no. Especially after your shower when the hot water heater is heating up the new cold water, it is uh, using a lot of power. So there is a heating element that is in your hot water heater, and there probably is a switch on the hot water heater as well as one inside the coach to turn the electric element on. The electric element can be easily replaced, um, but they do burn out, especially if... There is no water in your water heater. This is a big problem because when you winterize your motorhome or your hot water, there is almost always a bypass system. And that is there so that you don't have to fill up your hot water heater with antifreeze. I mean, why put in 10 gallons of antifreeze in your hot water heater? When you can empty it. Because, Because your pump will pump and... You don't have anything coming out of the hot water valves or the hot water uh, in your motorhome until the tank fills with liquid. So as soon as it gets full of 10 gallons of antifreeze, then you'll be able to put antifreeze through the hot water pipes or the hot water connections. You said motorhome. This is true for any any, any any, any application. So they have a bypass system which allows you to bypass the hot water heater in order to fill the hot water pipes with antifreeze 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So now, in the springtime, or a lot of people say, I'm not getting, I've turned on my hot water heater, but I'm not getting any hot water. Well, probably it's because the bypass valves are on. And that bypasses the hot water heater, which in turn means that it's going to get cold water. The water heater is not being used. But at the same time, you're not going to have any liquid in the hot water heater. So if you turn it on without any hot water, without any water in it, it's going to burn up. And so that's how those elements, those electric elements, burn up just from the fact that people turn on their hot water heater without any liquid in the tank. When you say burn up, that doesn't mean you could start a fire. Potentially it could, but probably not because there's not much It just air. will destroy the It'll just destroy mechanism. the element. The element will burn itself, fry itself out. And, of course, at the same time, you don't want to turn on the propane without any liquid in there either because that be, could be quite dangerous also. So always make sure there's liquid. And how do you check to see if there's liquid in your hot water tank? I don't know. It's your job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, she's not passing this test. You open the the emergency relief valve. You just oh, crack it to make sure there's water in there. It should be pressure. It should pop out. Like a pressure cooker? Yeah. So make sure there's water in your tank. And then propane, of course, runs off of a flame. You have to make sure that there either is spark from a automatic ignition or there is a pilot light. And, of course, pilot lights take a while to, to light because you have to overcome the heat on the thermocouple. The pilot light heats the thermocouple, which then opens the valve so that the pilot light will continue to run. And then... And isn't that an area where spiders love to build oh, nests? Oh, they and stuff? love it in there. And because it's open all year round, at even, the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the season, there could be little critters in there, and there could be spider webs. And of course, there's a jet that squirts out the propane, and that jet needs to be the right diameter, and it needs to be unclogged. So there are all sorts of things in there. To me, a nice can of dusted air... Pressurized air? Pressurized air will help do a lot of cleaning. And, of course, when your propane lights, it goes whoosh! And there better not be anything up in there, too, because I've seen... Cooked mice? Cooked mice, yes. Well, it's a nice little place. It's a cozy little place to, and it's about uh, three, four inches, three inches in diameter, and mouse, mouse sized. But that doesn't uh, work well to heat water. So you got to make sure all that stuff is cleaned out in the spring. And even if your motorhome has been sitting or your motor, your travel trailer has been sitting for a long time, it needs to have that uh, your hot water cleaned out. So does that cover hot water? I think so. Oh, on demand. Truma makes a new one that's uh, on demand, which means that it heats the water. There is no tank. It just heats the water on demand so that when you turn on the hot water faucet, the burner comes on and it's got like a coil of water that it heats on demand. So how long do you have to wait? Supposedly it's on demand. I've never used one. Mm-hmm. Ours is Oasis, and ours does our motorhome heat as well as hot water, and it has an entirely different system. It runs off of diesel, so no propane and electric, but it heats a tank of antifreeze, which has coils of water running through it, and then the antifreeze, which is heated, 
heats the water, and then the hot water system actually heats only the antifreeze. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> You've told me now three or four times, and I almost did it. <laughs> so that's the hot water system, ladies and gentlemen. So take that with a grain of salt and use it. Uh, if you have any questions, please let me know. I hope that that was complete enough. We think that a six gallon or ten gallon, unless you have a for huge for two people, for two people is more than enough. I mean, I, I can't imagine that's the first thing you worry about when you and buy I a think new motorhome. In our current unit, I've done the laundry and taken a shower, well, and you've taken a shower right after me. And yeah, it's we on demand, fine. so it has as yeah, much we hot water as you want. Another question that we see a lot on the newbie Facebook sites is routing questions, mm-hmm. and it leaves me with the impression that a people aren't doing enough research or B, it's getting harder and harder to get into campgrounds, maybe just in the summer, I don't know. And certainly we always do a lot of research before we decide where we're going to stay because we want it to be uh, the right place, the right price. But we right, don't always make reservations. The right um, amenities for what we happen yeah. to need at that point. And you've heard us talk before about All Stays, which is an app that we have oh, yeah. enjoyed a lot. And for some reason we now have All Stays Pro, which Cost three ninety nine for an app, right? No. Oh, how much well, was the it? app? I think the app costs ten dollars. Oh my! The app is expensive, but we like Allstays a lot. We use RV Park Reviews, which is free. We use Parky, which is occasionally, and another one whose name I forgot. But I learned recently that Allstays has a professional version, a pro version, which is web based and is a separate subscription. And the advantage of it is is that it has at least one-third more uh, sites in it. And because it's web-based, they can update it Regularly. whenever they that's find one of the, That's one of the nicest things. You don't have to to update an app. They have to update the app, and you, you have, have to, to download, download a new it. version and blah, blah, it's blah. It's not going to happen as Right, promptly. so this can be updated uh, regularly, and it has much more information, like all the low bridge, which, which I guess the other one does too, but this it has uh, more sites in it and is more complete. So that's a web-based, so you have to have your computer or your tablet in a browser while opened. you're using it. So while you're using it, but we just subscribed to that, and it was twenty five dollars a year, uh, in addition to, to the one time fee that the app charges. But you might want to take a look at uh, Allstays Pro if you're a little bit confused about what uh, campgrounds you want to go into. If you're an aficionado of public campgrounds, COEs, national parks, municipal parks, boondocking places, you might want to check out Ultimate Public Campgrounds, which is an app as well as a website. We haven't used this yet, but it is an app that you can get for your for iOS, and it will give you the free parks, the Ultimate Public Campgrounds. Another exciting app that we found. That you might be looking for is Flush Toilets. Well, the example they gave was kind of crazy to me. You're, you're hiking along and you need a toilet. You would well, use yes. a tree, and I would just silently suffer. Well, you're going to find but, a pub, but there have been times when we've been in the car toilet. when it would be nice to find a toilet. Yeah. And this app is called Free Public Free Toilets. Free Flush Toilet Free Flush Toilet Finder. Finder. That's another app that you might want to take a look at if you have a family that uh, has those needs. <laughs> well, well, we all have those. We needs. all have those needs. So, so let's uh, 
Let's get the app. Well, we have the app. And another one that was kind of cool is called Glimpse. Did you understand how that worked? Not totally. We haven't done this one either. Not totally. But Glimpse is a free app for both uh, iOS and Android. And there are apps that allow you to find other people as long as they consent. Through phone location? Through phone location. But Glimpse is kind of like Instagram in that it erases the information as, as soon as it's been used. So that you can use it to find family and friends, but then it erases the information so it's not there permanently. And they're not the connection between you and the other people are not there permanently. So you can say, uh, for the next day, I want uh, my camping buddies to know where I am, but after that, they don't need to know. Can I use this on a large cruise ship when I can't find you? You probably could if you had Wi-Fi, Which would but be... you probably wouldn't want to pay for it. It wouldn't be worth it. And that that app is called Glimpse, G-L-Y-M-P-S-E, and it will uh, help you find other people without having to have a trail. We often talk about small RVs. The Volkswagen Vanagon kind of has an interesting history. You often saw them in California, you know, the pop-up. During our hippie times. During our hippie times with the van that Volkswagen made. And now they've come out with a new one. The Volkswagen designers and engineers looked like they had an absolute field day with their new California camper van. They've loaded this relatively diminutive vehicle with built-in furniture, pop-out standalone furniture, two beds, a kitchen, and an outdoor shower and more. It's not even the features themselves that most impress me. It's the way everything has been designed to cleanly integrate with the structure. It looks like another hit for a small van. It has no, it's not much bigger than just the standard van. It has no pop-outs or except it has a pop-up roof which is kind of cool which the original vanigan did too the roof popped up but i was impressed in watching the video with all of the different nice little niceties that they put in even a clothes closet and a nice bed on the inside actually actually could sleep four people fairly comfortably so you might want to take a look at this if you're in the market for kind of a car slash rv no yeah She's looking for it. Yeah, yeah. In the days when we used our RV as our second car, um, that would have been a very good choice. Yes, instead of having a full-size van, yeah. you, you got it. Exactly. Yeah. That would be very convenient. As those of you who have been listening to us for a while know, Ken is a real fan of the Instant Pot, and when it's his time to cook, he's always looking for an Instant Pot and recipe. collected recipes even today. But what happens if you are boondocking? Yes, is is it a power hungry beast? Is it a power? Yes, exactly. Is is the Instapot something that you can use while you're boondocking? And the answer has become clear. It is energy efficient. For a while, we've heard that that folks rave about the Instapot, the RV kitchen gadget. The Instapot appliance is an all-in-one multi-cooker. It's mainly a pressure cooker, but also can be a nice cooker, steamer, slow cooker, and even a yogurt maker. In pressure cooking mode, it dramatically speeds up cooking times. Now, I was extremely pleased with the results that they tested it and they measured how much electricity it uses to see if it could be used on just a uh, inverter. And the answer is yes. Yes. The 1,000-watt inverter that this guy has actually provided plenty of power for the Instapot. It used quite a lot of power to get itself up to steam pressure, but after that, it was very frugal on using power, and you could use it even with your solar. 
So that's very nice to know. Good news. Good news. We can cook. To our heart's delight. <laughs> with our batteries and with the solar. So that's good. So, oh, we haven't, we haven't introduced the interview, have we? No, we kind of talked about it and then we <laughs> wandered off. You can tell how tightly scripted uh, this show is. <laughs> well, yes, now uh, we want to have uh, an interview. This is Jeff and Ellen. They've become our friends as a result of listening to the podcast and traveling to Alaska. And so we asked them a few questions about their recent lifestyle because we haven't talked to them and we haven't talked to them on the on the air since in five years. And we wanted to know, and we figured you wanted to know, uh, what they're doing these days and how their life has changed as full-time RVers. Our friends Jeff and Ellen, who, dear listener, you'll remember accompanied us, or we accompanied them, to Alaska, and that was in 2012. And we are in our home broadcasting studio, and they have come to visit us to give us an update on what's going on in their lives since we last spoke. And of course, it was when they were here that we actually had two podcasts a month, something we've had many requests for. But this isn't going to be two a month, but it's going to be adding you into this month's podcast. So we have some questions. When we first met Jeff and Ellen, uh, they were in the process uh-huh. of selling their home and becoming full-timers. And they were, I think, the first listeners who ever took us up on our request to track us down <laughs> at a campground near us. And they really did and, and blew our minds. Cape Cod was... So, yeah, we, so we, we have a long history. <laughs> and at this point in their lives, they are not full-timing anymore. And we know that many of you are thinking about full-timing and wondering about how how to get in, and some people who think far ahead also wonder about how to get back out. But you just jumped into full-timing. Am I right? No, they listen to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you just bought and sold your house and did it, right? Yes, we didn't give it very much thought, which is does sound strange. We knew we wanted to travel when the kids moved out of the house. Yeah. So we looked at a lot of different, different options. Pos- options. We looked at fifth wheels we looked at travel trailers rv options i looked at rv options because we knew we wanted to travel for maybe a year maybe two we found something we liked and we got it and it still took us a year until we actually hit the road after we bought that first rig but you'd never owned one before right never Never had one before no but we take it and you had a house yeah we had had a house house. and you had how did have did you miss all your stuff uh no first few years not really we had of course, a lot I remember of stepping into your, your motorhome yeah. well, those first few days. Well, you, you had too have... much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first motorhome was 29 feet, and that lasted about a year and a half. Because? And because we started bringing more hobbies into it, <laughs> you know, the sewing machine, the sewing stuff. Uh, guitar. Guitar, and then a mandolin, and then a... Now, this year, a ukulele has been added to the family. It doesn't uh, take up much space. Which so. we bought in Hawaii. Yeah, we bought did. Hawaii. Hawaii. Yep. Yeah. We, oh, we should have a little... Oh, you need, you need to say... We didn't bring it with us. We need some <laughs> in and out music. <laughs> At any rate, we ended up full-timing for five years. And, and that, when did this start? Uh, 2009 mm-hmm. until... And you bought new. You bought your motorhome new. Well, the first one was new. Yeah. And then a year and a half later, we bought a 40-foot... Uh, Newmar Dutch Star that was used. Yeah, uh, we full time for five years, so we were in that one for 
had what, three and a half years. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we started traveling all over the country. We traveled all over the country, but we would uh, end up in the winter in Sarasota, Florida, uh-huh. because we had fallen in love with Sarasota and the RV resort, which is Sun and Fun. Uh-huh. In Sarasota, and we started staying there longer and longer. So mm-hmm. I think we were up to s- six months there. Um, yes, yeah, six to six to seven months at yeah. a time. Yeah. And one of the manufactured home uh-huh. park models, they call them vacation uh-huh. homes, uh-huh. Um, which they have there, which are single wides with a screened in lanai. Not much more room than our 40 foot motor home, but. but- but you have the lanai added onto it, which gives you a little more indoor space, and you have full size appliances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the full size appliances were a big selling point. And enough kitchen counter space, I would think, to yeah. actually cook. Yeah, it's still a pretty small yeah. kitchen. Still. But one thing I did miss in the RV was having a bookshelf. Uh-huh. So, you know, we have a bookshelf. With and, some... and knickknacks. It doesn't move and shake around, so you can have <laughs> breakable things. And there's. You know, room for a whole sewing area on the lanai and a big desk for Jeff. And so there were a lot of advantages to it. There's a lot of activities. So was it a financial decision to no. come off the road? No, it's less. it would have been less expensive not to buy the uh-huh. park model. But Because and, you own your motorhome still. Right. And I'm remembering then you thought about selling the motorhome and not RVing anymore. Do I have that right? Yes, we did have a couple spells uh, (laughs) where we thought about selling the RV. Usually they followed shortly after a big maintenance bill. (laughs) (laughs) And there's been a few of those. Yeah, there were a few. There was a period where there were a few of them. And now we've either gotten immune to them or they haven't been happening as often. So the thing is that. Uh, right now, our schedule is six months, six, seven, maybe eight months in the park model in Sarasota and uh, four to six months in the RV traveling around the country. Uh-huh. Mostly traveling coast to coast to visit our grandchildren. Uh-huh. Yes, because now um, in the time... And, and wouldn't it be f- cheaper and easier to fly? No, it isn't. Oh. Well, I don't know about flying, but last year we were tempted to leave our motorhome in the northwest where mm-hmm. one of our sons lives and his family. And I did a price comparison of between leaving um, the RV there and driving the car back to Sarasota. and forth to mm-hmm. Sarasota. We were ending last summer in the northwest, and we were going to start this summer mm-hmm. in the northwest. But really, the cost is about the same. When you add in that you're going to be eating out more, yeah, yeah. you add in, uh, you know, there's the, even hotel the different costs. hotel costs, different fuel costs. The fact that we wouldn't have enough room to take all the stuff out of the RV that we needed in uh-huh. Sarasota for the winter. So, and then what the two really defining <laughs> factors where one time we were out in the middle of nowhere, uh-huh. I needed to go to the restroom. <laughs> in a Class A RV, you can just, yeah. I, nope, no the, problem. Pass, the navigator, the passenger can just walk to the back, use the restroom, come back. 
I thought, what if we didn't have the RV? What would I have done? There weren't even bushes to hide around behind. <laughs> so, From tumbleweed. Yeah. So we spent thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, so we could have a portable restroom. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not just the back and forth, though. When you get to your children's homes, they don't have enough space to put you up for any length of time, and you're probably more comfortable living in your own house yes, anyway. Yes. Yes. And I realized. Independent of what Ellen was thinking, I realized I'm just more comfortable driving that motorhome yeah, than I am a car. The, am the, the driver's seat is very comfortable. I can see the road much better from the motorhome. Giant window, giant up, window big mirrors. I can see what's going on around me. Captain seat. Yeah, it, it's very comfortable. Uh, sometimes almost too comfortable. <laughs> If yeah. I haven't had enough sleep. So it really is a great way to f- visit our sons. And of course, you tow a car, too. Yeah, we do co- tow a car. And it really is a, a great way to visit our sons and their families. One is in Boston and one is in Oregon. Because you stay with them a fairly extended period of time. Yes, I mean, like, we stay. Uh, up to two months. Up to two months. So, I mean, that would put a strain on their family. Yeah, and it two would. Guests for two and months. hotel would be oh. cost prohibitive. And actually, in both those locations, even VRBO or uh-huh. Airbnb place would be expensive sure. for that length of sure. time. And then, plus, we did one time consider staying in at a time when we thought we'd sell the RV I looked into staying in a VRBO mm-hmm. or Airbnb yeah, yeah. but then you 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 might have a place that's a little bit nicer than a hotel room but, but you don't have any still don't have any of your stuff tough. with you yeah. uh hobbies and this way you can whatever. load up in Florida and take it all with you yeah take all the important stuff with us and it's really great to be staying near our kids. Now, in both locations, the campground, like in Boston, it's probably, depending on Boston traffic, it's probably around 45 minutes, 40, 45 minutes away from our son. That's the closest you can get? Yes. And then in Portland, it's a little bit closer, 30 minutes or so, depending, again, depending on traffic. So, but those are two major metropolitan cities. Yes. Yes. And 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 you have found camping available. Yes. Long term. Yes. Now, Mm -hmm. in Boston, we stay at a top-notch campground, uh, Normandy Farms. Top-notch? Is that it, a chain? No, no. It's, oh, it's <laughs> I mean, in terms five of... Five-star. Five-star. It it's a five-star campground with a lot of amenities. We book there now a year in advance, uh-huh, uh-huh. and a lot of other people well, do, Well, you're talking too. about the middle of the summer. Right. I mean, it's this, middle of the summer. You're going there now, and it's just the beginning of August. Yeah. So that's... Yeah. Yeah, that would be normal. Right. It's, it's going to be packed. Yeah. yeah, so we do plan a hand. So you head don't there. see your kids every day. No, that's yeah. So that's a great thing. So we um, usually see the kids on the weekend days and maybe one day during the week, uh-huh. depending on their schedule. So schedules. you don't make the forty-five minute drive every day. No, we no. don't make the forty-five minute Which drive. Which is good. Every I mean, day. and they don't feel the pressure that they have to entertain you. Right. I think. Right. Exactly. And there's a lot of other things to do around both yeah, those yeah. areas. Yeah, very pleasant to visit both those places. So that really works for us. There's really not an alternative so for the foreseeable future Mm -hmm. we'll keep up this pattern and it and one interesting thing about the kids living on either coast is that when we're going between the places we pick different things to visit each year this year for the first time we went to glacier national park take your time in making the transit across the country right yes yeah Yeah. yeah, why not and you're retired yeah exactly and now we're transiting from Oregon to Boston, and we stopped by to see friends here, Ken and Martha, 
And uh, we saw another another couple this morning that were friends of ours from Florida. Sure. We're seeing two sets of friends in Michigan. Yeah, well, that's what's nice. And, so, and, yeah. and, you're, and you're not pressuring anybody to... To put us up. Put us up. Or exactly. You can kind of meet their schedule. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 it, so this it is going to be the, your life for the next, for the foreseeable yes. future. Yes. Yes. And you like Sarasota. And tell us why. Uh, the things we like about Sarasota, well, first of all, the weather is really fan- In the winter. Ta- fantastic. I mean, it does have some cool spells, we'll say, when the weather gets... That's about as far north in Florida as you can get. Without still have freezing. Without freezing, right? Yeah. Now, this past winter, we had, they had the first day in decades, I think, uh-huh. when it, at night it actually did get down uh-huh. to 32. But, but that's very rare. And So the weather's nice. Um, the resort is really nice. As a, mm-hmm. it, it also is one that has a lot of amenities. Yes. And in the wintertime, there's a lot of activities and clubs and it's it's a really fun place to be and then we really like sarasota too there's uh, an enormous art scene there lots of theater Um, there's a performing arts center that has shows several times a week and plus there's top beaches in the country top (laughs) no some of some of the sooner than i thought So top-rated oh, be- top rated. beaches in the country are there, and it's just really. But a on our place. side of the of Florida, the beaches are all free. Yeah, our beaches are free. Your beaches are not yes. free if you do, if if you to want park, to park to park. Uh, no, uh, the beaches have free parking. No. Uh, yes. 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 Yeah. Lido Beach, huh. Siesta Key. Okay. Drive out we, there. We park. Run, we Sometimes run. if. Unless there's no parking available, but yeah, which yeah. can, which can, can be, be too which popular. can easily be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but, uh, not the case on the on the east side, where well, we are. Okay, further okay. south, it would be yeah. crowded. Too. At any rate, we um, so there's lots of reasons to love Sarasota, and it's very pretty there with the palm trees mm-hmm. and lush vegetation. And so, owning two um, vehicles or two accommodations is is not overly expensive. Well, park models are not very expensive. Oh, they're not. And so, but you don't actually own the property. Right. At our right. resort, and it varies from resort to resort. Uh-huh. At our resort, we own the actual trailer or... The vehicle, yeah. The, the unit. The, the unit. And, but we lease the land. Uh-huh. Every year, there's like a... Uh, it, it, it's an activity and land rental uh-huh. payment that you make, and it's a little bit pricey. Which would be, in um, I think it's nearing ten thousand uh-huh. dollars. And but that includes your property too. It includes the prop, the cost of being on the property, and um, a lot of activities and entertainment. There's almost every week mm-hmm. uh, entertainment at the pool, and it includes yeah, yeah. Um, uh, several free meals. A year. The only thing we really parties. pay extra for is utilities. All utilities. We have to we have to pay our own electric bill, uh-huh. which comes from FPL, and we have to pay a fixed uh, water sewage bill, uh-huh. which yeah. is set by the the campground. Which is set by the campground. Uh-huh. Or or and you pay property okay. taxes? No, no property tax. Also, Florida, no income tax. Uh-huh. So we have to pay a registration you're, you're fee. Now. Yeah, we're, we've been Florida residents for a long time now. We have to pay a registration fee for the uh, 
for the unit, it's like it's just like what you'd pay oh, for a vehicle. Like a vehicle. Yeah. There's a vehicle tag that goes on the unit that, uh-huh. um, that, yeah. that you had to pay for, we, I think, every two years. We have to renew that. So our RV now is 15 years old. It's a yeah. 2003. Um, we bought it used, um, but it it's... A little worn, some of the furnishings in well, inside, but it's to keep up a, a vehicle like that. It'll last a long time. Yeah, and it's very comfortable still to travel in, and we've personalized it in places. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We're really happy with this arrangement. So yeah, yeah, that's it really good. worked out. Works out well for us. So many people are very nervous about selling their house, right? Because they say, and I assume you use the house sale to to buy the RV. Uh, not quite. They didn't quite come in that order, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot yeah. of people kind of do that. I mean, they sell their house, and then they say, ooh, now I have this depreciating asset as opposed to an appreciating asset. And how did you, did you, was that something that made you nervous when you sold your house? It's given me was some. the lifestyle so appealing that you just said, I'm going to do it? Yeah. Well, we knew we wanted to sell the house and move into something smaller. Uh-huh. And this was our interim between the two. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't realize how much smaller the new place would be, but that's the way it turned out. We've never been successful in buying appreciating assets <laughs> as far as far as real estate goes. We generally either break even or lose something on it. Yeah. So that wasn't really a deal breaker for us either because we knew we weren't going to come out very yeah, far yeah. ahead. Well, yeah, unlike... Actually, unlike both Portland, Oregon, and Boston, where our kids live and they have uh, fast appreciating homes there, we never lived someplace like that. In fact, the year we sold our house was 2009. Yeah. 2008, 2009. The bottom of the economic turnaround. Right. So um, the price of the house fell. Yeah, yeah. As we watched. As we we watched. You know, we only live once and... Um, we're really happy doing this. And now, you live in Florida, right? And you have family in the two coasts, right? Does getting old and becoming infirmed bother you? No. Well, there's a lot of solutions for being old and infirmed in Florida. <laughs> but <laughs> a lot of services. It's at Fun and Sun. Well, a lot of people do age. Do they? Do age, age in, in sun and fun, age in place in sun and fun because you know your house has just three steps to get into it or mm-hmm. four steps yeah, and that's true. no basements, no or, no basements, no attics, it, it's um, and no maintenance really. I assume the exterior maintenance is minimal, minimal, well, yeah. and they and, cut the grass and that sort of stuff. Right, uh, we do have a flower. That's up to you. Yeah, yeah. But so it actually uh, there's quite elderly people. That and, live but, there. But handicapped, kind of? Elderly? Well, there are some handicapped units. Uh-huh. One of my friends is actually... A handicapped unit? Oh, yeah. There's One of my friends is actually a paraplegic, and really? um, they they have a park model that's, uh, you know, has a ramp to get uh-huh. into it and uh-huh. um, is... So there are Large options. door openings yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, so she can get her wheelchair through there and... Right. Yeah. Into the bathroom. Right. And so this past year I had knee replacement surgery uh-huh. and I was able to hobble up 
you know, a couple so days after surgery. Than house, probably. And it's small, so you don't have. Yeah, it was quick to get to the bathroom, yeah. and and so I mean, you know, I had it was able to accommodate a walker yeah. in there and stuff. So we're not concerned, you know, with aging there. I mean, there might be a time where we would need to be near relatives or something, yeah. but I don't, you know, that's way in the future, God willing. So that isn't a concern. So now you have uh, traveled here from. Gillette, Wyoming. Yes, <laughs> we traveled most directly. We stopped in Gillette, Wyoming because we're members of FMCA, the Family Motor Coach the what? Association. They've changed their name. <laughs> they haven't changed no. their name. No, they haven't. Oh, okay. as far they changed as I'm... the name of their publication. Oh, okay. Their yeah. publication is now Family RV. Right. RVing. Family RV. Uh, the, the joke is, is that they were always just for motorhomes. Right. And yeah. now they had a change to their constitution, which had to be voted on by the all the members. The members did agree by whatever percentage they yeah. needed to, to allow towables. Now, into, into the FMCA, as yeah. full members, mm-hmm. the only requirement is that it be a towable that is fully enclosed, fully... Hard-sided. No, not no, hard-sided. Not really. You could do a pop-up? Well, you can't do a pop-up because the requirement is to have full cooking facilities and restrooms. In so the, a wet shower is not okay, like in a Class B. No, in a, cla- a Class Bs are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, has what's to a have, full restroom? Well, it has to have uh, a black water holding tank. You have to be able to poop in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put yeah. it bluntly. Yeah. So. Uh, so a composting toilet would not work. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, who's so. going to check? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just surprised these regulations. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the wording of the. No, okay. The, those requirements. We were there for the rea- rally. Um, Which is about a week long. It well, the rally actually is only four days, Wednesday through Saturday. Right, but we got there early because we volunteered. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Jeff was working. They had. It was on a big. Well, what usually you would call a fairgrounds. Uh-huh. It's in Campbell County. Oh, oh, it's Campbell okay. County. Oh, so it has nothing to do with camping. Complex, so it's, cam, it's Camplex. Okay. Quite large facility. There were, uh, I think they said 1,700 motorhomes. And, and who's it what, what are the topics of the, of the sessions? Well, why, why do you go there? Why do you go? Why, well, would, why would our listeners want to go? Well, um, well there's, there's a couple things to, about that. One is we would. We have never been to FMCA, by the uh, way. Oh well, we we're would really members. encourage people to join FMCA. I, yeah, we're members. Because one thing is that there's a lot of membership benefits. Yes, there are many. One of the one of the most special benefit that they have travel mm-hmm. assist. So if you're traveling in your motorhome, and I think even traveling on personal travel not with your motorhome but mostly it's focused at people traveling yeah. in their motorhome and you become uh, unable due to illness yeah. to drive the motorhome home that that covers having a driver and they have insurance too and if you meet, that's included yeah so mm-hmm. um, there's some several benefits right now now they have a new uh, medical plan that you can be, participate in we actually have our, our medical VN- insurance 
Yes, a medical insurance plan. You know, most that's mostly aimed at people under sixty-five that aren't. But that's, un, yeah, a, but that's under sixty-five. These days, that's critical. Yes, yeah, so I don't. Plan. I don't know how the coverage yeah, or yeah. pricing. But it's something to look into. And so they offer a lot of benefits. A lot of to benefits. RVers that would be beyond going to a, a rally. Right. Right. So once you become a member. Um, what the rally office offers is, is essentially, I think a lot of people are familiar with a convention. Yeah. If you go to a convention, there's uh, big programs for the attendees, uh-huh. and then there's also seminar sessions, breakout, sessions. breakout yeah. sessions. And at the RV rally, there's hundreds of those. Hundreds? Yes. Yes. For for four days. Some of some of them for, are general interest kind of things like um, how to full time or how to uh, uh, keep your your holding tanks from stinking Smelling, yeah. and <laughs> things like that. And there's a lot of things that are manufacturer specific. Yes. Uh, I went to a. Uh, Spartan chassis maintenance uh, mm-hmm. seminar. I went to a Cummins engine maintenance seminar. One for your, um, your generator. They had they had one. Uh, they, there was a generator one too as well. Uh, Cummins Owen generator. Owen and generator had one, and um, there was uh, another one that I went to that uh, specif- that was talked about maintenance items involved with the house portion of the motor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right and so t- and, and they, topics for beginners as well as for yes oh, yes yes definitely beginners we another couple that was there from our chapter were beginners and do they offer a they, boot camp they do they, they offer do. Oh. Uh, they have I I don't remember it wasn't called boot it might something. have been boot camp something well, similar to that and it was several days long uh-huh. um, be, right before the yeah, rally yeah, began. Yeah. And, yeah, called um, RV Basics. Yeah. RV Basics was yeah. what it was called. Yeah. And you pay an extra fee sure, for sure. that. And then they're talking about at future rallies, the next rally, um, international rally, will be in Perry, Georgia in March. Of 2019. 2019. And they're talking about having a driving mm-hmm. uh you know, I think that they had that at this one too, yeah. because early in the thing, I noticed that there was one area. It was it was the same area where they had the weighing uh-huh. stuff set up. They had cones set up. And they and I think they had people learning how to back a motorhome. Oh, really? Well, without not... running over cones or other people. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, I think. <laughs> so it's four days long, and you come in your RV, and what kind of facilities do they have? Well. Um, they do try um, to have the rallies located someplace where there's an off wide variety of facilities on-site. all the way on site, uh, and, and I think in most. So you places, don't stay in a campground per se. Um, no, you stay on site. On site. Well, sometimes at these locations, and I think this includes the one in Gillette, a portion of the grounds uh-huh. is a campground. Okay, but I mean it's it's on the grounds. So yeah, it's on the grounds. So but you don't have to drive to come every right. day to go to the seminars. Correct. Right. They have shuttle buses and right shuttle. And how many people were there? Well, there were um, was or seven seventeen hundred coaches. Or, yeah, that included that included ones for sale. I think I think they said there were fifteen fifty fifteen hundred fifty seven registered units. Yeah. So three thousand ish people. Yeah. And probably yeah. some people can come in for the day. And how and 
you know, I'm used to going to Hershey or to Tampa where the primary goal of the seminar or the the whole time is to sell stuff. To sell stuff yeah. and, well, and units. To sell, to sell and units. Yeah, yeah new Every manufacturer is there with their units. And people, you know, they have 200,000 people come through looking for the latest and the greatest RVs. Is this the kind of thing that FMCA is? Well, FMCA does have some uh, units there. For sale from FMCA local. FMCA does. Well, no, the manufacturers do. Well, at and the rally, FMCA usually local distributors. Buy stuff. Yeah, there is possible to buy stuff. The other thing that, like most convention, there's a convention. Yeah, floor. A uh, vendor floor yeah. with all sorts of gadgets yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything. Yeah, and but it's not primarily a sales point. It's it the 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 I, convention is uh, go to these seminars. Uh, enjoy the entertainment that they uh-huh. bring in. There's entertainment oh, every and, uh, night, uh-huh. and meet up with other people in your interest groups. Your interest groups, right? Yeah, there's yeah. chapters. There's and there's regional chapters uh-huh. too. There's regional areas. They had uh, they had an area gathering for every area in FMCA. Mm-hmm. It's a chance to get together with the other people interested in the same thing that you are. Traveling by motorhome, uh-huh. traveling by musical uh, age groups, the whole. Gambit. Singles probably too. Oh yeah, there's a, sing- a, a large, large singles, singles large veterans group. Yes. There's uh, quite so a. So FMCA few. really, and it's not just old people; it's young people. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oops. Well, it's not. It's not aimed just at no, older people, but, but right now, it especially when it was just motor coaches, yeah, yeah. it tended to be older people. There were families there, and there was a whole area set aside for youth. Really? Um, so the youth uh, that were there, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say that there was a large number of them, but the youth were there had stuff to do aimed at them while Great. they were there. Great. Yeah, So, but that's a part of the population that yeah. FMCA is trying to grow. Just it like is called Family yeah. Motor Coach oh, Association. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you um, get a nice magazine every month, too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Right, so right to your door. <laughs> Who reads magazines? <laughs> so, and if any anymore. any of your RV navigator groupies out there oh. <laughs> are are sewers or quilters or crocheters, oh. there's also groups for that. And each at each rally, the crocheters, knitters, and uh, quilters make quilts or blankets yeah. to donate to the local yeah. area. There's really a lot of stuff. Also, there's some. Service people, right, right? Like there was a uh, come in service people. Yeah, Spartan. you can actually get some work done on your yeah. coaches there. They won't do big things well, like changing tires, and <laughs> they do, do offer you the ability to call them up in advance to to uh-huh. schedule. Uh-huh. Uh, but they also have you know they have a service center that opens up at nine o'clock on the first day, and there's a line of people out yeah, front of it, so. and ninety percent of the people in that line I found out were going right to the Blue Ox. Place to get their blue ox tow bar. Uh, I'm looking at it for Tampa. <laughs> and I walked right by them and went right to the Cummins so, door. Um, so it was a great experience. Gillette was a friendly location, a smidge boring, but no. <laughs> if you if you were looking for stuff to do outside, because they have uh, they have tours too of the area. Yeah, they do have tours of, of the which area. There was no none there, well, no, the the tours. One went to a buffalo ranch. Ooh. One tour went to the coal mine, and uh, and, one, uh, and, uh, and one, <laughs> one went to the coal-fired power plant. Ooh. <laughs> 
So there's a big emphasis. Is this all sponsored by Trump? <laughs> well, there's a big. The clean, it was a clean coal? Yes. They, <laughs> low sulfur coal, yeah. they said. Clean yeah. Coal. That's a big business there. So they. Okay. They call themselves the energy capital of the, of the United States. Yeah, so there'd probably be some debate about that. Of, I think there's a lot of gas production there as well. Okay, we're producing a lot of gas here, too. <laughs> so I think Especially we'll since we just went for barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> we had the beans. It's been great to see you, and uh, we do want to emphasize that this is not really our first time in five years that we've uh, gotten together. Oh, so, yeah. no, no, so no. We do keep in touch, but uh, we thought we would add you to the podcast uh, just to uh, satisfy the curiosity of our many listeners who inquire about where you are and what it's, you're doing. It's nice <laughs> to hear the next well, chapter of the and, story. And, and I think, you know, you present a very positive outlook for a lot of people you know you're doing what is the dream of many people go out there and have fun with it that's exactly right okay with that we'll leave it and uh, send it back to the regular show thanks thank you oh it was nice to have uh to relive some of those days and to hear what jeff and ellen are doing now they're traveling around the country they put a lot of miles on their rv every year that's for sure and they are currently, we heard, uh, since we did the interview, they have made it to Boston. their son's house in Boston. And so they will be headed back to Florida in the not-too-distant future. Well, actually, in a in month. a while, yeah. Six months, six yeah. weeks, something like that. So that's nice to stay in your RV for that kind of time. Perfect use of your RV. So with that, I guess we'll call it another month, and we'll get ready to pick up the RV and uh, be off on our way starting at the beginning of September. But until then, you'll have to send us an email because you won't find us in a campground near you. But but we're always happy to hear from you and get your suggestions and get your questions so that we can keep the dialogue going. And we hope to hear from you, so talk to you a little bit later. Bye for now. Happy travels. Bye now. Bye now.